get set up in the system <laughs> that we've been using as a store since no, June? No, it's on everything but my phone. The problem is I didn't have the password for this. So Ken, just so you know, that you gotta, so when you're talking, you have to like oh, orbit. I, I didn't know we were actually. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm prepping so you. Please don't swallow that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to have to. Wa- oh, okay. So yeah, you got an idea. Absolutely. You know what you're doing. Hey, crazy cats and kittens, come on back. It's the midnight Saturday night, and I have as much like to <laughs> and on that note, hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is the just indomitable staff of my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. The people I've managed to lure into talking to games about games with me today are... Hey, it's Jamie. I'm here. Hi, it's Ryan. You may not know me, but this is Ken Roth. Ken is uh, one of the basement dwellers, for the most part, in the store. Ken, what do you specialize in? Uh, I specialize in the history of games in general, and for the relevance of the store, magic. Well, now I feel like we have to start a podcast just where you can talk about the history of video games. Like we can no, give no, you your own. New, I mean, sorry, I board games, board games. Yeah. Right well, That's and right. Jesse. And Jesse. Not yeah. me. But nevertheless, uh, Ken is joining us today for the first time, and we're very happy to have him. And he claims that he has radio background, so we're going to see if that comes through today, if he still remembers all the ins and outs. I had used carts and CDs and actual vinyl. Look at that. This goes to justify Ken's gray hair. I am pretty old. You are pretty experienced. That is the term that we're liking to use. No, old. (laughs) Ken Ken is officially the oldest staff member at Red Raccoon Games. I mean, that even kind of transcends a little bit if we want to get deep down into that, correct? Yes, in multiple ways, right? Um, uh, Chronologically. He's the oldest. Yes. Well, actually, that still didn't help clarify. <laughs> I, I am in every way, shape, or form that I can contemplate the oldest. Yes. So while we have the smatterings of the young and the old and the veterans and the experience today, I do want to ask my favorite question. How is the store this week? Really, really calm. What? Are you just saying that to mess with me? No, we, we actually had a pretty solid week of just... Everything went the way that it was supposed to, which threw us all off as well. And we were looking around like something's going to happen, right? And yeah, we were all a little bit afraid of of, of it. But no, everything, uh, everybody's healthy. Um, you know, everything is pretty much back to normal. Um, events are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, yeah, everything was, was, I think it was a pretty calm week, don't you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, aside from the storm raining us out a little bit on Saturday, we pretty much had a great But great luckily week. this time we, we didn't, you know, we got some crazy rainstorms, but we didn't have anything set up outside. Yeah. So we saw fewer customers who weren't willing to come in during that period of time, which is fine because, um, you know, everybody who was inside anywhere was like, I'm not going out there. It's like, heck no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Hail in, uh, hail in August? No, I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, and it's, it's, no, everything went pretty good. It's not like our friends um, over at Zeke's Comics and Games there in Washington, Illinois, and they're, what's that, like 25 minutes to get over to Washington, and uh, the rain hit so hard over there, they had water come in all four of their doors, so they... <sighs> 
they ended up um, closing the store early trying to get all the water out of their store. So it rained so hard they just couldn't, the, the system couldn't handle that much rain that fast. As a person that knows what it's like to have a waterfall in your own game store, I'm sure that you could very much feel them yes. in their pain. Yes, I got a hold of Zach last night and I said, hey man, I've got big commercial dehumidifier at this point. Uh, if you need it, let me know. I will drive it over to you. And um, he said that everybody in his community had came out with all a ton of bunch of fans and stuff and they were drying everything out and he thought he was good. So, uh, which is good. I mean, he's got a great community over there, same way as we've got a great community here. A bunch of our people go back and forth on a regular basis because um, there's a bunch of people who will play Pokemon in both stores or a bunch of people who will play Warhammer in both stores. Um, and that's great, you know, there's more opportunities to play games is, is awesome. I, I, uh, we actually get along very well with almost every store owner in Central Illinois. So it, it works out pretty good. Well, our, our hearts and minds go out to them and hopefully uh, all of that insurance money gets put to good use. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, you never want to ever have to use your insurance. Yeah. But this is the kind of scenario where you do and, and uh, you know, I think everything's going to be good over there. But for us here, uh, I was a little worried. We're in an old building and I was worried if we had any leaking or anything like that happen and nothing got reported so i think we're good to go not in the old building or the new building thankfully. not in the old so. building or the new building the new building actually surprisingly weather tight it, it it um you know we're sitting in here right now recording our hidden location has been revealed oh no oh no and <laughs> uh no everything flock. is everything's perfectly dry here so it's good that's fantastic so with all of this rain i do have to ask was there anything that got on people's table while they were locked up inside with all this bad weather not for me. Um, I have <laughs> so I picked up the entire Fast and Furious series, and have those have been my Saturday afternoon turn off my brain and just turn on an action movie and just chill. And so during the storm, I was watching Fast and Furious Part Six. Now I will say that <laughs> Fast and Furious does have a board game. I believe it's a Ravensburger game, really? and it's not half bad. Uh, so basically, much like the movies, <laughs> very much. It, it does have that same level of this is okay to indulge in. Uh, the cars will continuously like be moving forward, and you have to like try and keep up with the map. Uh, but there's three different scenarios. There's where you're attacking a helicopter. There's one where you're attacking a, a tank and things along those lines. And each car does have their own special abilities that you can then navigate around. See, part six, the one I watched yesterday, is the one with the tank. There it is. Yeah. I don't, I don't know which one's got a helicopter in it yet. I haven't, I haven't run into it yet. So It's only a matter of time. I, spoilers, <laughs> they go to space at one point. So there's really no limits to hit. I, I think that the next one has to end on someone driving a car on Mars. Uh, I don't know how they'll get there, but it's only a matter of time. Vin Diesel, if you're listening, there you go. There's your idea for Fast and Furious Part 10. He's been trying to think of it so long. Plus, if you're listening, code. let us know. Hey, <laughs> now... Just saying. Vin Diesel is a huge nerd. Oh, I'm sure. He has an ongoing D&D game with his family that I think Ruby Rose has sat in a few times. Like, And it's not a podcast. It's not him trying to get, like internet clout it's his own private thing that they just sometimes instagram out that they're doing so yeah he said he's been playing since high school yeah he's he's a huge nerd there was one time someone put out on tumblr uh i think it was tumblr that they wanted a movie with vin diesel and 
uh, who was the guy from Brooklyn Nine Nine? Terry Crews. Yeah. Where they are both cops, hard as nails, but secretly they're both really geeks, and they have to go to like Comic Con for a thing, and they're both trying to make sure the other person doesn't know that they're a huge geek. Please and make I would, this happen. I would watch that movie so hard. I would. I would <laughs> really watch this movie. No, my favorite Vin Diesel story about his uh, geekdom is when they were filming the Chronicles of Riddick. He taught Dame Judi Dench how to play D and D, so they they played D and D when they weren't filming, and now she plays with her grandkids. I, I love that. The idea that 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 M right, she she's been in so many amazing roles, but I love her as M in the James Bond series. She's fantastic. Um, and she's playing D with D with her kids. That makes me happy. I think bit. we need to do a list of Oscar winners that play D and D. I'm pretty sure she has an Oscar. She uh, has to. She, right? She's a dame, of course. She, she's got to. I'm well, technically, it, I know I Patrick know. Stewart. I don't think has one, and he he is technically he is OBE, knighted, so, Yes. Yeah. Ryan, have you been playing anything lately over the last week? Anything on your table? Um, I broke out Munchkin for the first time in a while. Ooh. <laughs> I actually. <laughs> I had to work a shift in the store, and there was a woman who was trying to find something that was D&D light that someday her kids could get into D&D because they're very interested, and I suggested Munchkin. Uh, which version did you play? Uh, we played the Critical Role one because oh. my brother always wants to uh, put all the other Munchkins together in one big uh, amalgamation of a demon pile. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Now, there are specific things, right? Because people joked of for years that you could, if you put the cowboy munchkin, the, the good, the bad, and the munchkin together with star munchkin, that is Firefly. You're not or cowboys and aliens. Or cowboys and aliens, yeah. yeah. Pick your show. Yeah. Um, we, I think we have the, uh, the Greek heroes one, um, basic one, and the like, superhero munchkin for some reason. <laughs> It, it makes zero sense. We are, Heroes we are and gods. Here to win. Yeah, basically. Yeah, nice. Super Munchkin is one of the early ones. Yep. It, uh, but yeah, I, I really like the Critical Role one because it has, you know, the nice art. It has the little character boards, um, so you get a little bit of extra, like, edge to it. Um, and you don't have to completely murder your friends. Yeah. Well, wow. Rin Ryan is our local leader of the, uh, the Bloomington Normal Critter community at this point, so... Without ever <laughs> once being like, let's do anything. Just like, <laughs> and you're just wearing a critical role hoodie right now. I am. And a hat. Oh, it, is that a critical hat? Yep. Oh, it is a critical Oh, Taldori. Yeah, it is a hat. So, okay. Uh, my wife is currently up to date. And so every time that there's a new t-shirt, uh, about five days later, we get a new t-shirt in the mail. So, yeah, they are putting out a lot of great content. Tell her that if she orders to the store, then we can get her her uh, discount with your account. I will. Why have we not thought of that? I don't know. I'm so sorry. I feel like I just you outed myself in front of like <laughs> all the people I want to impress. Speaking Kim, of, oh. anyone who would like to order a critical role bit of merchandise through our store would get 10% off as opposed to actually having to pay shipping as an FYI. Look at that. <laughs> Ken, what have you been playing lately? Do well, you get to play anymore? I mean... Yes, but the problem is every available surface in my house contains something related to magic cards. My <laughs> wife will agree. So I don't really get to throw down on tables. I did buy the entire Spelljammer, and I will be reading through that. And I have spent, as always, a great time playing Civ Five on my computer, which is kind of like a board game. 
There is a Civ board there game. There is Isn't truly there? a Civ board is it, game. Is there any good? I have never played actually, it. Actually, the original Civilization is one of the classics of board gaming and was worth tons of money, and then they reprinted it, and then they reprinted it as Rex. Was Rex the Civ reprint, or was that... Yeah, there was, well, there was an actual yeah, Age I mean, of they Civilization redid it again, game yeah. as well, too. But Civ is not only one of the best computer games ever, ever, you should try it. Even though it's old, don't do six, do five. Civilizations, <laughs> though, is the is the definition. Where if you've seen the Facebook meme of just one more turn, and then oh, all of a sudden you're like, look outside, and there's birds chirping he out. Is and so you, not wrong. You have to go to work soon because you've been <laughs> up all night. So that is so. Just be aware that I will agree with Ken that Civilizations is one of the best video games ever created. However, be aware of what you're getting into. He, he is not wrong. I have a friend whose husband called it that damn game uh, because she would just keep playing one more turn and then it was the next day. And this is not a rare occurrence. Truly no, no, no. This has happened to millions oh, yes. of people around the world. Yes. People have witnessed a sunrise for the first yes. time oh, yes. because of Civ. Yes. Now, now, where you can start a fight, though, is you can start a fight over whether Civ 5 or Civ 6 is the better game. We are not going to have Civ this. Civ 4 is actually the best game, but... That one's pretty old. We don't need any. If no, this is going to be the first thing that blows up, <laughs> yeah, on our from our podcast, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah, but Ken, I do have a question for you. Sure. So, with every surface of your house being covered in magic cards, are you prepared for all the stickering that you're going to have to do you on know, these magic cards? I don't. I mean, sure. I have. Let's just say, rolled with all the proverbial punches that Watsi has brought forth upon us. Uh, alternate cards, alternate foiling, alternate everything. So I will inevitably embrace it as someone who is, in fact, addicted. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Magic the Gathering uh, on announced on July 23rd that with their upcoming Ufinity set, which I believe is Unfinity. a... Con Unfinity. 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 Excuse me. Because the all the silly, the silly sets are all un-something. Yeah. Un-something. Yeah, the Cosmic Circus unstable. set. And this is... A, so this is a continuation. However, there's going to be stickers that will now be coming with the packs, I assume? You know, I don't know that we know exactly how they're going to be presented. I cannot imagine them not being on a card in the pack. That's what I was And then you take too. them off and apply them as required to whatever creature needs trample or denim walk or what other strange... That's actually an ability from the original unset denim walk and led to the ruling that uh, you are allowed to take your jeans off as a fast effect um, so you cannot be denim walked um, that was a really weird ruling uh, it was a gen con actually so these stickers are apparently supposed to basically be put over the text portion of the card from what i understand in and theory then, they will modify in some way shape or form yeah and this is becoming quite kind of an issue amongst the community because as molly russell from wargamer was uh so nicely able to write in her article uh this will also be legal in eternal formats too which means stickers are coming to vintage legacy popper and commander i want to know what it does to the resale value of the cards that, there there are many yeah. problems that and there's a reason why they're introducing something like this in an unset if you're going to do something that's just say let's say deranged and that might be putting telling you where i am on this argument mm -hmm. um an unset's the correct place to to bring it up because even if it is going to come out in a normal set that gives them an opportunity to, you know, they made, they made um, companions and they quickly found out that they were too powerful. So they literally changed the rules about how companions work. That gives them a, a window of time that they can 
fix if something's wrong, and I try to be optimistic that they've thought this through, but that kind of optimism sometimes bites you. Um, yeah, I wonder if they're going to be more along the lines of like vinyl clings as opposed to... I, like, I figured it would be something like that that hopefully won't leave, but I don't know how a vinyl... I mean, again, one has to assume they've tested it. Vinyl clings, I don't know if they would stick to the coating on the card. Yeah, I, I, one hopes, prays that this has been a discussion that's occurred before they did it. Well, also, how do you stop from feeling when you're shuffling the cards and feeling that there's a sticker on a card, even through a sleeve, there's going to be a perceptible little ridge there. Yes, there's actually a rules that handles that. You're not supposed to, wow, how to say this so it doesn't sound deranged. You're not supposed to fondle your deck <laughs> when you are not This is family friendly, Ken. You are writing the line. As close as I can be. But it, it was a thing that in past people might play with the top card of their deck. That's actually not something you're, you're technically allowed to do. Plus, in theory, if it's a cling of some sort, it'll be on the front of the card, not the back, which is the part you would be able to feel. Assuming you're sleeved, but who doesn't sleeve even junk anymore? But My brother. My brother is... Well, I mean, there's people. I'm not saying. But. He's sitting around with the Kozilek on the table, and I'm like, put your cards away. No, see, that's <laughs> not a Using concern. it as a coaster. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Well, he was actually using it as a tutu bear. Oh. <laughs> that's the attitude I like to see. That's, that checks out. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess my question is, do you think these stickers are an approach to do something new and fun and change up some rules, or do you think that this is a weird Watsy attempt to edit some of the rules or... or change some of the cards in order to fix the meta so you're on. asking me if they for those who don't know magic arena which is an online platform for playing magic it has a format called alchemy which is basically wizards taking cards that exist and either making them better because no one's playing them or making them worse because they're too good and that lets them retroactively a fix things which you fit historically have never been able to do with physical cards because how would you but also tinker see would this really have changed things will people play it if we do this i had not thought about that aspect i am intrigued by doing that though most people would say you can't make me put stickers on my cards to make them worse you can't do that but i think it's something that people might try to make their cards better mm-hmm that, that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I had not thought of that, and I would not put it past them, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, that, that's a reasonable concept. Well, Watsi has definitely been doing some interesting rule changes as of late, not only with this announcement about the Magic cards, but also the announcement of one D&D, &D, uh, a new approach to the additions of D&D, &D, and has been mixed with... I would say more than mixed reception, both online and within the Red Raccoon game store. It's, uh, it's mostly just... Let's not lie. Has any change in any role-playing game ever not been met with that same response? That is fair. That is fair. I, I'm not saying that you're, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying that's expected. So to, hi to just highlight some of the differences that are going to be coming out... Uh, first of all, we are no longer going to be having an addition system. In theory, this is going to be one D&D. &D. Everything will be somehow backwards compatible with 5e, but going forward, there will be different changes and additions that will 
not be seen as brand new content that is excluding past work to 5e. So I would just point out as an interrupt real fast on well before you we talk about this one edition Microsoft said we were only going to have one edition of Windows after Windows 10 came out and they were only going to do little tweaks and changes all along the way and they realized that that doesn't work and now Windows 11 is out right now so exactly. just as, that's some similarities I'm drawing right when you say that I'm not against this idea of of saying like okay it's been 10 years now right uh, well no it'll be 10 years when it comes out um, that since we've had an updated player's handbook and there have been a lot of errata changes made over those 10 years that would be really good to have consolidated back into a single volume right we've gotten rid of controversially um, some things like um, alignment Right yep. is not really a thing that it used to be. You know, uh, true neutral, chaotic evil, um, lawful good. Those are no longer really concepts that that D and D embraces anymore. We've also fixed and eroded some problematic language. Um, if you remember, like the Strad revision, where it, there we took out references to gypsies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because that was deemed problematic by. Um, the Romani people and so that was removed for for I think appropriate reasons, but um, I'm just I'm, I'm concerned Right about uh, so I think the additions thing is a good thing to say. Hey, we're gonna refresh everything We're gonna put all the errata for the last 10 years in one book I think that's a great idea and I don't have any problem with that part at all I'm just concerned with this thing where they say we're never gonna make new additions again because it hasn't worked for any other company I can think that has ever uttered those words. Yes. Honestly, just give me a new errata three set and a gift package with the pretty uh, covers on the front. I'll get over it. <laughs> One of the most controversial, controversial rule changes that have come out of the 1D&D so far was an errata about crit, uh, critical rolls. So when you roll a 20... Critical hits. Critical hits, critical excuse hits. me. Not necessarily the serious critical roll. <laughs> not, not the serious critical role, but it, it is not just the hits, but also critical misses. So yeah. 20s are now officially Always. successes. It, it's not that you, you reach it, it's whatever you're trying to do, you succeed. Now, if someone was arguing, so if I say I'm going to fly and I roll a 20, do I fly? No, because a good dungeon master would not let you even roll for that unless you had it. doesn't exist. Exactly. Uh, and then, of well, course... Unless you throw yourself at the ground and, and miss. And you miss. Yeah, you throw yourself at the ground and miss. <laughs> you succeed at missing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then... There's with, some podcast listeners that are going to get that reference. Uh, if you don't, please check out... Uh, oh, oh. Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you. The Galaxy. That's what it was. Yeah. I think it's actually in book three or four. Four. I thought it was so, two. No, it's not in four. It's definitely in the first three, and I think it's in two. I do, too. Restaurant at the End of the Universe? Mm-hmm. Sorry, we, we, that was a massive segue. Yes, <laughs> but the, the big change that comes with this is that critical damage is now only being able to be done by unarmed attacks and weapon attacks from player characters, which means if you roll a 20 as a enemy or while casting a spell or as an NPC, it doesn't do anything. It just isn't, it's just a 20, it doesn't add any extra damage, and that also takes away damage from because it's only weapon type and unarmed damage, uh, sneak attacks no longer get criticals, smite no longer gets criticals, any of those extra kind of balance attacks. It's only weapons, and it's only... And uh, it's, not, it's not 
it's only your damage, your true damage roll. It's not any add-ons that you have either, right? Correct. This is my understanding. So if like somebody had cast a bless on you or something, that would give you two extra points of damage. That doesn't get the multiplier anymore because that's magic, right? Exactly. Um, it, it's so it's 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 nerfing players, but it's also nerfing monsters at the same time. So Correct. monsters can't do critical hits on players anymore, which I've absolutely killed people that way before so <laughs> and you feel bad because it almost feels like an accident like i didn't mean to hit you this yeah, that vampire holding you by the back of the neck just slammed your face into a wall repeatedly until you're a bloody pulp uh hot take but i kind of like it when horrible things happen in dnd because it makes it interesting Ooh, I'm sorry. it's true um and like on the one hand, yes, you're less likely to get your face smashed. On the other hand, aren't you gonna tell people about that time an ancient white dragon uh, crit critted you so hard you exploded? <laughs> That's and, a good point. And I agree with what both of you are saying on the subject, but this brings me back to a dis okay. We're gonna segue this. Trust me. Uh, I talked to a game developer, and I was like, why? Is the player playing the game smarter, make smarter choices, hopefully, than the computer playing the game? And he's like, because feel-bads are a thing. And you want the player to be able to do something, but if the system, in this case, D&D itself, but Correct. the system can just wreck you, it's a feel-bad. Is it, exist for a reason. Well, <laughs> agreed. I mean, but you, those you can still make things happen hilariously goofy and hilariously bad for the players without one-shotting them. That's true. Oh, but the players want that itty bit of excitement, even if it's a reduced amount of damage, from getting that crit. The DM doesn't get excited that he just crit the players, and if so, maybe there's a dynamic that's missing at the table. As I say, I beg the difference. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. I have watched ooh. Matt Mercer just be like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you're trying to kill your players, perhaps there's another issue going on. Yes. <laughs> I, I will say the one thing about this that actually makes me happy is that I always feel like whenever you play as a melee-based fighter, unless you find the magic weapons that keep you kind of up to date, a magic user is going to smoke you every single Since time with how much damage they can do. Now. Yep. <laughs> and I know that many times they're set up as glass cannons, but I've been in part of many campaigns where I see a wizard blow a hole through somebody and then with a bonus action can cause an amazing miracle to occur. And then it's my turn. And I'm like, I hit him with my sword and I, I do a small amount of damage. That's, that's my contribution to the group, guys. Yeah. Um, so being able to say that, you know, my weapons now have an ability that spells don't kind of feels like an evening of the playing ground and that I appreciate. There was a, there was a short story and it's in one of the, God, I don't remember if it was a dragon magazine or if it was an anthology of forgotten realm stories that I read and some wizard had challenged Elminster to a fireball throwing contest to say who could big the, make the biggest fireball, right? And um, draw whatever parallels you want um, to the, the the size of the tires on somebody's truck. Um, but, um, and it was like this guy was super proud of himself and he made this massive fireball 
and then you know Elminster basically snaps his fingers and like makes something so big that it like looks like a rotating sun has just crashed to <laughs> earth and everything in the entire area is decimated and all plant life has been roasted and killed and um, because with his bonus action he had cast a little bubble over the people that were watching so they didn't all die and of course so Elminster wins the fireball the, the throwing contest but that's that's what you're saying right is, exactly is at a certain point magic users even in games like Diablo if you can survive long enough as a magic user the magic user is just going to wreck so much destruction everywhere I apparently built my wizard wrong <laughs> <laughs> or gave up too early no, she was level 20. Oh, never mind. She was a pure utility caster, basically. My, my 90% of my goal all the time was just... Uh, I had the chronology or chronology subclass from uh, Guide to Wild now. Yep. Um, so basically, 90% of my time was just like, you should re-roll that. <laughs> <laughs> Let- it... In one of my favorite uh, live plays of Dimension 20, there was a character that he was delivering a speech in front of a school of adventurers, and it said, don't remember what is the most important thing that you can learn at this school. And someone rose their hands like, friendship? He's like, no, chronomancy, the ability to manipulate time. That is the most powerful magic. What are you talking about? Friendship, that's not magic. It, It was very much one of those, like, it's not necessarily flashy, but it does save my party a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just thinking, as the fighter, I would really appreciate that ability a lot. Like, oh, I get to re-roll that hit. Thank you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. To go back to the original statement about the books, though, I think Wizards knows two things that we don't. One, how well the fluff books... And by fluff, I mean literally everything they're producing now. And, and fluff isn't a bad thing. Fluff is glorious. Fluff is something to read. Fluff is things to throw at your players. How well they're selling? And the answer must be pretty good because they can, they're saying that they're already going to be compatible with D&D 1. I didn't want to call it D&D. 1 D&D. 1 D&D. D&D. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, and so they'll keep producing those. Plus, they know a certain percentage of the populace, be it new players or completionists, for D&D purposes. I don't know what you're talking about. We'll purchase any new versions that with all the updated yeah. stuff yep. without having to alienate literally everybody by creating a sixth edition. Exactly. And, and, and they must have rolled those numbers uh, through their heads and realized it's worth it. It'll keep selling but refresh the game to where it stands now with all the changes they have made to it. Here's hoping. So speaking of refreshing the game, we like to think that the the interesting thing about this podcast is we can come to you as a game store, not just as people who play the game. And there's another decision that came out of the announcements this week that has kind of become a, a heated topic, I would say. And that is, they have decided that now that they have their partnership with D&D Beyond... No, no they no. bought them. They bought, they bought them. Excuse me, they bought them. They bought excuse them. me, they bought D&D Beyond, which for many people have been an excellent tool for playing D&D, both online and in person. But they plan on now selling books through D&D Beyond that with an added cost, you will be able to get the books and the digital version of the books and all the content directly from the site. However, as Jamie did some investigation, he found out that this is very much cutting out the brick-and-mortar game stores from kind of the distribution model. Well, it's, 
it's an ongoing issue that we have as a store in the fact that Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro, right? Wizards of the Coast, when Wizards of the Coast was a standalone company, actually had some autonomy and they listened to game stores to say what was working, what wasn't working, what's, what's, what's best for the stores. But as a, just a division of Hasbro, Hasbro, quite honestly, doesn't give a rat's butt if game stores exist or not. And I think that's an incredibly short-sighted view given the sheer number of people. For instance, yesterday, somebody came in the store and said, hey, I'm interested in Dungeons and Dragons, but I really don't know what I'm doing. And Ryan said, follow me, and took them over and, and showed them, here are all the books, here's what you need to know. You need this one, you might want this one, you need. And she guided him through this entire process that can be intimidating with as many books and as many accessories as are out there right now. Um, and, and that's really the purpose that game stores do because you can't even, you won't get that at Barnes & Noble, you won't get that at Walmart or, or Amazon or anywhere else. Game stores can provide the, this guided experience to say, this is how you get in efficiently with a low cost until you decide that this is something you really like to do. And then once you're in, then you can go crazy if you want to, right? And you, which, is, which we've all done ourselves because we love the game. But, you know, it's, it's once again a, a very short-sighted attitude where I've been saying for years, I'm like, hey, it's, it would be really easy for Hasbro to allow us to, to sell the digital copies of the games. I also had a very lovely conversation also yesterday um, with an older Magic, or not older Magic, uh, older D&D player who hadn't played since AD&D. And I told him we had a one-on-one uh, course for 5e. And he was like, oh yeah. Well, you know, the kids are gone. I can get back into Dungeons and Dragons. And you know, you can't really do that by yourself online. Yeah, well, and that's, that's the thing too, right? Is there's, COVID has shown us that you can play Dungeons and Dragons online, right? Mm -hmm. And it has, it has shown a lot of people that this is an option for them where they don't have a game store that is near them. And there, I recognize that there is a percentage of the population that doesn't have a store anywhere near them or doesn't know anybody. Um, and so maybe they join a random forum and they're going to play with some people online. Ask Ariel how well that usually goes. Well, <laughs> I, I know. But John and I were talking before the podcast starts, right? John plays at, at, in my group. And we, as soon as we were able to safely after COVID, immediately went back to meeting in person. Because half of the entertainment is a, it's a good way to hang out with your friends and be there in person with them. So I'll play online like if I have to, but that's not, I don't want that to be my default. Right, and so I, I think that Wizards of the Coast is trying to thread this thing where they say, okay, some people are gonna prefer digital content, some people are gonna prefer paper content, some people are gonna want both, um, but they're just, and, and I think that they're right, or I think there's all three product markets that exist, I would buy both myself, um, but the, just cutting stores out, and there's five, I think the last number I heard is about 5,700, game stores in the United States, right? That's not worldwide, that's just the United States, 5,700 game stores. And uh, while that may seem weird, considering there's only two in Bloomington, you know, you go to Chicago, God, how many, know how many are in Chicago oh, area? 
A friend of mine's got a store in, in Phoenix, and there's 35 <clears throat> game stores in Phoenix. Phoenix is pretty weird in that respect. Yeah, but, or Atlanta, right? You go someplace like that. There's 55, 5,700 game stores in North America that are your selling champions. And the, the way that you do this is the way that Steam has done it for years. You can go to Walmart, and there's a big rack of cards at Walmart for games on Steam. And you, it's a card, you buy the card, then it has a scratch-off code, and it gives you the code. You go to Steam, and you plug that in there. This is exactly what they could do. They could say, game stores, how many physical copies of the book do you want? How many digital cards do you want? And that would give us the ability to say, do you want just the book? Do you want just the card? Or do you want the bundle? We'll put the bundle together for anybody safely, securely, quickly, efficiently with one small rack sitting at a counter in every game store. So easy to do. It feels like they're trying to cut game stores out now that they have D&D Beyond. Like somebody at Hasbro is like, well, we don't like those stores taking any of the money that we could potentially have. But they forget about all the services that we provide to people when they come into the store and we help them. How many clueless parents have we had come in because their kid joined a D&D game club and they didn't know what to do? Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, all, all the time, every game store in, or every high school in our town has a D&D club. Parents come in all the time like, my kid's doing this thing. And, and then we guide them through this whole process. I think that Hasbro is just making a short-sighted thing on this. I agree with you in principle. Two things. I don't think it's a matter of them wanting to cut out. I think it's a matter of them not caring if they cut out, if you see what I'm saying. In that, they, the same way that people came in who say, I used to play Magic, I started playing Arena for free, and now I want to play again. That, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that's the majority, but it does happen. So I think they consider any splash gains by stores a plus, but it's not their target. Their target, obviously, is to make more money for themselves. And you're right. I have a friend who just yesterday messaged me saying, my son has started playing D&D. Do you know of any groups in his area, which is up in the Chicago suburbs, where he can go get more help? Well, in theory, he could do that online, but that's not what she's looking for. She's looking for a place he can go, a store, or a group close to him, and I said, I'll do my best to help find you one. That's what Watsi needs to make sure they're doing, having those places available for people to find. Third, you can't do this online. These are real metal coins <laughs> that you can, you know, I told you I'd get this in here somewhere, that you can give to your players. I was when all they prepared to talk to you about that. Ah, Wait, yeah. Okay, I'm going to now have to edit yeah. that just a sorry, little bit because I think that was probably pretty loud to people's uh, car oh, stereos. However, I do agree with you, Ken. I think that especially with Hasbro, having this push to increase the amount of media, including D&D, from the new movie that's coming out to the animated shows that they've talked about to they're even bringing back content that older people will recognize, such as the new player like introduction guide has the characters from the animated show uh, back in the 80s. And they've released a new statue that's almost $3,000 with those characters. They're trying to hit all of these people to get them all the way back. And they're going to hit a point where they're going to realize, okay, we've got people interested, but who's actually teaching them? Because a lot of board games, you can give a person a box. It's going to be a small leaflet of rules. People can learn that and play the game. Dungeons and Dragons, to play it well, it's here's this novel 
you need to read all of this kind of, but not all of it. You need someone to kind of show you what you do need to read to play. And you should really also at least skim the DMG, even as a player. Exactly. Yeah, let's not pretend that there's a low barrier to entry to D&D. Yes, D&D definitely has a barrier to entry. And no matter, it's a glorious barrier to entry, but there it is. Yes, and as much as you might be able to buy that content online, I don't really buy stuff online to read it specifically unless it's like for a long trip or something. I... I don't think people are going to be... They need someone holding their hand to play D&D, and you're just not going to find a digital version of doing that. Well, let me... Yeah, and let me expand on this too, right? So a, a big part of what we always talk about D&D is it's just... It's, it's a social game. And uh, so a, a good friend of mine, uh, Jody, is a communications professor at ISU, and she has, in the last five years, she's been teaching for, I don't know, 18 or 19 years. In the last five years, she's running into issues with um, a growing number of incoming students who don't know how to communicate with each other. She's, I mean, COM 101, like that's speech, right? That's introduction to speech in like, every college every, ever. And she has kids that don't know how to talk to each other. And, and as a, one of the things she does for her higher level communications classes is she sets up job shadowing for um, students who um, to go out and sh job shadow a friend of hers at a job someplace in the area um, that works in the area of communications to say these are possible job fields you could go into. And she had to create a, a, a guide because she would say, okay, first thing you do is you have to call the person and set up a time of when you're gonna meet with them. And they're like, well, can we text? They're like, no. I said, <laughs> you have to call them because they're out at their business and their business doesn't receive text messages. You have to call the business phone number. Oh, well, how do I call somebody? What do I say? So she had to create a, uh, like a guide to say, uh, this is like, these are some opening statements. You could say like, good morning, this is so-and-so, I'm a student of professor, you know, um, and I wanted to call a separate time with you. She had to create a script for them because they didn't know how to do it. I am not saying this is every kid. I am not saying that. But there is a growing percentage of them that don't have some of these basic communication skills. So when I talk to parents about this, about one of the things you learn playing board games in general or D&D &D or RPGs in specific, is how to talk to each other and communicate as a functional team. I mean, that's part of this too that, um, now can you talk to each other over a camera? Yes, you can, but is it the same? No. I don't think it's the same. No. I, I don't, and I've done it a lot. I don't think it's the same, so. John Oliver notwithstanding, sometimes calling people isn't a monstrous thing to do. Sometimes you actually have to talk to people. It's scary, but it's true. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want them to, I just don't want them to put all their eggs in one basket and focus in ways that they're just going to, to, to actually disincentivize people to play. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like this has the potential to do that because going back to Ken's reference on arena and I'll stop and I'll stop his labor in this point, but going back to Ken's references arena is there are at least a dozen people that I can think of that I knew and saw every week on a first name basis that no longer come to the store because I know they're only playing Magic on Magic Arena. They just don't come to the store anymore at all, right? And I see them posting on Facebook groups. I never say anything to them because that's their prerogative to do what they want to do. But there are times when the software that they put out creates unintended consequences. 
Exactly. I had actually forgotten about the movie. I, I don't know how, because the trailer is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I am sh the only thing I can trust Hasbro to do is market. Not necessarily towards the target I want, but Hasbro will market the crud. Can I say, can I say crud? Crud's, I think. Crud's the, okay? Okay. You're just really pushing the okay, line, okay. Ken. Okay? They will just market the, the we're really crud out of anything that they're putting money into. Speaking of people who can't communicate, Ken does live in the basement. <laughs> it's what I do. So there are some other great elements that are coming up with with this one D&D, we also are going to get a virtual tabletop, but again, I think that's going to create a weird barrier of entry. It's going to be creating a uh, possible need to have a computer when you play, uh, if you want to, and it's going to look a little bit more like Tailspire, where it's 3D uh, objects in a 3D space, not like what we see in Roll20, where it's usually just small tokens being moved around on a map like you would probably play uh, at a tabletop. So that's going to be another entry point that will be we tell people when they're coming to play learn to play D D. like what do i need i'm like notebook and a pencil if that what i do think they did specifically emphasize in the uh video the announcement by the way if you haven't watched it i strongly suggest if you're interested in either magic or D D or doctor who <laughs> though you only watch part of it for that spoilers that you should, uh, but the thing they were emphasizing was that you can use that software as a, let's say, a planning tool to create the physical dungeon. So it, 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 I, I like that aspect of it because you can do crazy things and say, that's what I'm going to do. And then you can still build it and run regular minis if you are so inclined. It's, it's an option. I'm very curious what the... Uh, user interface is going to be I don't know, like. but it looked amazing. It did. I won't lie. <laughs> and even if you're not interested in any of the technological aspects of this, there's still some great things coming out to D&D soon. They announced that they're going to have another kind of uh, book that is like the Radiant Citadel and um, the Candlekeep Mysteries, where it's all just heists that you can do, where you could actually go throughout a multitude of different heists as part of your campaign, or you can put in a heist just like from one chapter of the book. Uh, they announced that there's going to be a whole Giants book that's going to be related, uh, where probably that's why we saw some dinosaur elements coming into some of the uh, Unearthed Arcana a few weeks back that we actually talked about on this podcast. They have a lot of great books. Planeswalker, or... Planescape. Plane, yes. Planescape, oh, which is where Sigil is involved. Yeah. Which yeah. I know very little about, but I hear a lot of people very excited for it. Very. Sickle is the city of doors. Yeah. That's how you get from point A to point B without using Spelljammer. It's the other way to get around. So if you've read the Chronicle of Narnia, just that forest? <laughs> a little bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very large donut-shaped city. Same but, amount of light posts, though. Yes, Very exactly. oddly. But very there's one book that they announced. <laughs> that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> Because because they, let's, talk, let's talk about something that makes you happy. They kissed and made up, let's just say. Yes. So, December 6th. <laughs> December, 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 December 6th. So, will how, be, do I, how do I sneak into Jamie's table to play Dragon? <laughs> will be the release of Dragonlance, the Shadow of the Dragon Queen. And so that's coming out in December. And I was so Do we know when in the storyline that is? Because I December see December 6th. No. <laughs> I just know no, that it's, they it's, mentioned the, the Summer of Dragons, which was the later Mina storyline. Right. 
So they haven't really given a ton of clues, but they said it would be during the war of the the War of the Lands. The original War of the Lands. Okay. Yes, it would be you would be running and going as you know, not obviously side by side with the main characters from the War of the Lands, which would be the Chronicles books for anybody who wants to the original three, which was Winter, autumn, summer, spring. spring. Or, or, autumn, yeah, autumn, winter, and spring, and then summer was the fourth book that was like the next generation of people. Where the took, dragons were significantly more powerful. To, to wrap it all up, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I was no, I looked the other day. There's 132 Dragonlance books. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have them. There's a whole book about Kender <laughs> and, and and gully gnomes. How can you not read those? They're glorious. If you enjoyed I have the, a bunch of them, if you enjoyed the content of Fisben's guide to dragons yes. yes then this is going to be the book for you because this is the story elements that fizzbin really came out yeah. of correct yeah so it's going to be adventure it's going to be setting and it's going to be some new character options because you will be able to play as a kender officially draconians um they they haven't said yet but i have to imagine although the draconians were straight up just strictly yeah, evil. evil i mean they have to at least flesh them out and draconians were where dragonborn came from anyway you're right you're not wrong so i mean do you create them again but they were going to make a subclass for the knights of salamnia and never say that one Is that right how it's, I, I actually i was just salami <laughs> yeah. the knights of salamnia Yes, uh, Solomnia, um, which was where uh, that was where Sturm came through. Yeah, and so um, I'm I'm excited. There's going to be a different release for this than they've ever had before. So we're going to have the original cover, which is beautiful. We're going to have the soft cover, which that one is just great. By soft, you mean like a paperback? Soft touch. No, S O T H, like the Lord Soft. Lord Soft. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the the front of it is just it? his his helmet and it's amazing, and then the back of it is like this cool like tangled thorns and everything. Lord Soth, the original tragic hero, uh, anti-hero. Sorry, but we're gonna have a third book. Does it have the same co- no, cover as the first one? It's a different cover. Okay, so it's not on that post that we put out. If two books it's, you have to buy, no, it is on there. Three is better. It is. It's in the <laughs> bundle. It actually yeah. shows a different cover. It looks. It's slightly different. Okay, so because I thought it looked like no, they the actually first are one. different. Um, so there's going to be a third book, and a third cover, and because you'll only be able to get the third cover if you buy Shadow of the Dragon Queen, the deluxe edition, which comes with the Warriors of Kryn board game, and it will be a limited edition cover only in that direct bundle. You'll also get a GM screen that's a limited run GM screen that goes with it. And then the Warriors of Kryn board game because part of the campaign is going to involve scenes where you could play them out on the board game if you wanted to. So you could play through some of the big fights on the board game and then earn experience and loot and goods from the board game to take it back into your RPG. Are they introducing the old, basically the old battle system that they had for AD&D, which was large unit combat? They haven't said exactly how it's going to be yet. Like? They just told us what was going to happen, not how it was going to happen. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, so there's there's three different covers, um, and the uh, the Warriors of Crane will also be available. The board game will be available as a separate bo- board game, obviously, because I myself am going to get the Lord Soth cover of the book and then the board game at your quality local game store. Yes, always at your local game store. Yeah. Um, 
so let's keep on this trend of things that have made Jamie happy. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> we found out, thanks to Dice Tower News, that attendance at Gen Con this year has actually been up since the first time since 2019, meaning that they've kind of overcome their COVID slump and possibly are getting their numbers back to where they're going to feel a little bit more like it. Now, I do know that, Jamie, you and Ken were able to attend one day of Gen Con. Did it feel like those numbers were back up? So let's let's, let's qualify what I'm about to say is that um, Ken made it Wednesday, Thursday before he wasn't feeling great and came back. Um, And then we went back together on Sunday um, Sunday, I would say when we were there, we got to town about 11 o'clock. By the time I got my badge, it was 11.30. So the event, the, the, the vendor hall had been open since 10 a.m. And we shot through the vendor hall, and I would say absolutely not. It did not feel that crowded to me. But Sunday is also the day after all the Saturday night parties that a lot of people were trying to figure out how to deal with their hangover or the lack of sleep they got from Saturday night. This is 100% true. Yes. <laughs> that that it, it, Sunday is always the weakest today. Half for exactly the reason you just described. Now, the line, when I had to get in line to get my badge on Sunday, that was, that was a very long line, and I appreciate how well they got people through it because I was halfway across the building. I was stunned when you sent me the message that said you were through already. Yeah, I was, I was in like, line for, wow. that was with me being in line for about 45 minutes, right, so to get my badge. Um, the line was, but it was moving pretty fast and everybody was in a good mood because Sunday's family day. And so you can get like $10 a person for just to show up on, on family day. Um, I just couldn't make it the whole week this time. Um, you know, the, the, when usually I go Wednesday for like game store stuff on Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's like five days and I just couldn't do it with scheduling and everything going on this time. I did want to go through the vendor hall and see a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, and we've got a bunch of really cool stuff that's on order that I confirmed that is going to be coming to the store that I would not have seen if I had not gone for that one day. However, one day is not enough time to get through the vendor hall. Even with a pack mule carrying stuff. Even with Ken carrying <laughs> stuff. Yes. The Sherpa. I kinda, it was exactly like the gaming He's Sherpa. like He would just turn around and I would put more stuff into the bag on his back and then we would go to the next booth. Um, so Sunday, it was um, it was it was fun. It was a, it was a good time. I was I was very appreciative. They did require masks um, and, and I was vaccines. And ma- vaccines and masks. I was appreciative of that. And but we shot through as fast as we could. We went up and down the rows as fast as possible, and saw a ton of great games. Um, there's some stuff I'm, I am excited for. We got more Cultivate in. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually the Cultivate booth. I talked to them and I said, hey, I've got more on order with you guys. They said, oh yeah, the, our main shipment did not get here in time for Gen Com, probably two or three weeks from now. And so we, uh, I said, no big deal. And then they, um, they called the store and then Ryan called me to say, the Cultivate folks want us to come back and uh, go to the booth and pick some stuff up to take it home. So I got Cultivate. I got some really cool game, like there's an Oceans game that's going to be coming in. Uh, I verified that we're in for the Bigfoot game, which looks amazing. It's a programming game about driving your your, uh, monster trucks through 
the mud pits and everything and hitting the jumps and jumping airplanes. and. In other words, not Bigfoot Sasquatch, Bigfoot the truck. Bigfoot the truck, absolutely. Bigfoot versus Venom versus all those things. Listen, it looks so cool. The only one that matters is Gravedigger. Gravedigger is not in the base game. So it doesn't matter. No, Gravedigger's <laughs> not in the base game. I don't think so unless they change who was in it. But the dice are tires, Ryan. They're big oh. tires. You roll the tires. That is they're, really cool. They're big monster tires. I just saw the dice dragon inside of Ryan just yeah. like... You know what's terrible is that despite the fact that I have this horde of dice, I don't get to play with them outside of Magic because I pretty much exclusively play D&D online right now. Blue. So <laughs> my time was different. As Jamie said, I went Wednesday. And there were some, let's just say, learnable moments that Gen Con had. Uh, for those who didn't follow the storyline because you were unfortunately not able to go you do have the very first thing you had to do upon arrival was to go through a vaccine line where you showed your card and you got a little yellow armband and that was well, wristband and that was yes this person you know proved that they are vaccinated blah 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 and when i got there at 1 30 on wednesday that line was non-existent it was walk basically walk up through two hours later that line was an hour long literally wrapped around parts of the building three times that's a lesson learned that might not even be applicable next year, but it was definitely a lesson learned. After that, though, especially in my situation, I was in line longer to stop, drop stuff off at the auction than any other line I was in there. Um, and as everyone knows, conventions, much like game, um, I'm sorry, like uh, theme parks are, are part of playing the game, uh, the line game. Uh, but Thursday was very busy, and Thursday's usually not very busy because it's, I can't get off for Thursday, but I can come for the weekend. And it was, it was pretty packed, and uh, I think the vendors were having a good time. People were selling stuff to vendors, buying stuff from vendors. It yeah. was All the publishers that we talked to that I know all said they had a really good weekend. Yeah, and um, I think it, the, the one thing that was somewhat surprising is that a lot of the places that people know historically from Indianapolis, the Ram, other places like that, they don't exist anymore. Uh, the yeah. Ram is now a sports bar, and so a lot of the restaurants did not survive, right? And because if they were, you know, that that area where the Indianapolis Convention Center is connects to Lucas Oil Field, where the Colts play, or not the Colts? Yeah, the Colts. Yeah. Now, I was thinking almost said almost said the Oilers. Occasionally, Jamie knows sports. It's yeah. weird. and the the basketball stadium is right there too. It's all right in that area, and it's very much tourist driven. And for two years of COVID, there's no tourism and everything just, a lot of restaurants are just not there anymore. And, and a lot of the new places don't understand the Gen Con effect. Even while the numbers were down from 2019, which was insane, and almost every person I know who was there in 2019, including me, is okay with slightly fewer people being there because 70,000 is a lot. Um, this year was a nice bounce back from last year. If Indianapolis remembers, yeah, that sounds weird. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Indianapolis remembers uh, that the gamers love it. When this is going to sound terrible, but when they suck up to the gamers. And, and, and embrace <laughs> the gaming for a week. Because yeah. it, it truly, the money flows. Like the servers were in cosplay. And oh, there yeah. And there would be geek totally... themed drinks and food. And that was the, what the publishers would Publishers would sponsor and advertise for some of the, the restaurants that were in that area. And of course, people didn't know how it was going to fly this year. I mean, I understand the reticence to jump whole hawk, but it was, it's the nicest when Indianapolis is really in the game. 
Well, and it's interesting too because Origins, which I did go to, was down in attendance from twenty five thousand last year to I think really? 20, fifteen this year, and a large part of that was because um, they added when when COVID started surging again, they added masks or a mask requirement, and a whole bunch of people said, "I'm not coming because you have mask requirement to Origins." Um, and then, but it, by the time Gen Con got here, everybody's like, "Whatever." Put a mask they're on. Gonna, they're going to go to if you're going to go to Akan, and you've already said no to Origins. What's really left, besides, of course, your wonderful local gaming convention? We will get into FlatCon at some point in time I'm where just, it gets you know, a little bit. I'm close. just throwing you softballs in case you want to use them. However, FlatCon is a bit far away. Okay. Gen Con is a bit far away for the next years. Let's talk about some stuff that we can actually do right now. Now, Jamie and Ari, looks like you want to interrupt my excellent transition by one more thing you want to say. No. <laughs> Dang it. Dang everyone. Jamie. Well, I was just going to say FlatCon uh, flat is uh, search their, their Facebook page and the signups are available now. We'll talk more details about it later, but you can sign up now. Thank you. And that's it. That's perfect. That's, yeah. that's good. But that was a segue I was going segue to. Segue for what's going on at the game store? Actually, the new hotness. Oh, new hotness. I was wondering okay. if that was his normal. Uh, Scream for the start of that section of what's going on at the game store. This is well, Let's that means you don't to listen to the game to the store. Let's all go to the so game store. for those who are sitting at the table with me, I did uh, get Ariel to upload us a photo of what is in the new hotness. You should find it in the text. Yep, and uh, there are a lot of interesting things. Uh, the one that caught my eye the most, probably, and is of course Spelljammer, which I was able to procure my copy. Really interesting how they're doing these three book releases now. Uh, first, I'm assuming Dragonlance will be that something similar. No, one no. really, one not at Plane all. Chase. Oh, Plane Chase. That's right. That would make more sense. Yeah, Plane Planescape. Yeah, he keeps leading me astray. Chasing planes. Yep. Plane Chase being, of course, a magic set. With Spelljammer, which is a D&D set, you get your main book that has information about being in the Spelljammer universe. You get kind of a mini monster manual just for booze. monsters. Booze. Menagerie. Booze, yes. booze guide. And then the third book is the... Why am I blanking on what that adventure. is? The adventure. adventure. Yeah. Thank you. That is built into it where I think it's supposed to be level five or three to start. But they have a free, on D&D Beyond, a free campaign that would get your characters up to that level. So if you want to just start out I think it's also the DMs way. Guild, too. Yes, I believe so. So, yeah. And people have been embracing Spelljammer as well. I mean, the, the books have actually... We keep getting messages like, do you have any left? And um, we are running out of the original cover because there are people, the original cover, the artwork is pretty great. Mm -hmm. And there are people that want the original cover, but the alt cover, I kind of went a little bit crazy and we're, there's a fairly large stack of them in the room with us right now. Um, so we're not going to run out of the alt cover for a while because I wanted to make sure we had enough that we could say like, hey, we're going to put this in the holiday catalog this year. Um, and I didn't want it to run out. So... I will tell you that as a person that likes all my books to look the same, because I have not gotten all of the alt covers, I now feel like I have to get the normal covers now in order for... You're not alone books. in this, yes, which is why we continue not. to order the uh, the OG covers as well, because you're not the only one who has that feeling of they all need to match. And oh, Go ahead. I, all of them match in my collection except for Tasha's, which is still the alt cover, because that was one of the first ones I got really excited about, and I... 
just it's need to bite beautiful. the bullet. It yeah, is beautiful. It is I beautiful. love the artwork. That's not my complaint. It's just that I don't have the artwork out in front. So all my little red-topped books are next to this then beautiful book at the very end of the lane. So Yeah, so um, one, of the, one of the games that's in there that I wanted to bring up, too, was actually something that I saw at Gen Con and went, oh, yeah, I played that at Origins, and it was awesome, and I forgot to order it, and that's Key to the Kingdom. Yes. And that's a re reimagining of a an old, I think mid eighties kind of board game that was originally aimed at very much aimed at kids. And it's it's a traditional kind of roll the dice and move around the board kind of game. But uh, I think I think the easiest way to think about it is is an entry level version of talisman. Because you've got monsters you gotta you gotta be you're running around the board, you're trying to collect equipment and everything to, to kind of ramp your character up so that you can take on the monsters. Its unique twist though is to get to some of the keys, you have to go through portals. And when you go through a portal, the board actually unfolds or refolds back together, depending on which way you're going. And anybody who's on that section of the board that you just moved get sucked through the portal with you. And so that it really makes for some interesting gameplay when people are sucked in and out of the portals, even though they might not have wanted to be sucked through the portal. Um, but that's the only way to get to some of the monsters are they're either on the inside or the outside of the fold. I have not gotten a chance to play this game, but it's from Restoration Games, yeah. who have produced some of my favorite games, uh, Stop Thief, was one of theirs that, again, these older games that are being brought to a more modern time. Stuff Thief has a, an app assist so that you are trying to figure out where the thief is on the board, even though you can't see them and trying to make logical guesses. You're all detectives trying to do that. But one of my favorite games from them is called Downforce, which mm -hmm. is a, a racing, racing game. game where you are not only racing your car, you're more of an investor in a car. So even if you lose the game with your car, if you made smart choices, by investing in other cars, you could still, or betting on other cars, you could still win the game at the end, even if your car doesn't. Uh, and it kind of has a weird, not fully uh, Mario Kart feel, but each car gets its own special abilities that you can utilize and capitalize on. When their big splashy release from earlier this year was Return to Dark Tower. Correct. That was Restoration bringing back an old Hence school the game. Restoration, okay. Yep. Yeah, and they um, they they are running a, a, a backer kit, uh, you know, crowdfunding campaign right now that we as a store did back and we are going to get more copies of Return to Dark Tower as well as the new Covenant expansion. Fantastic. Um, did they do Fireball Island? They too? did Fireball Island too. Yeah. Yeah. Another game that's on here that someone who is very uh, astute would say that's not new, Eclipse. Um, it's a Finnish game that has been very popular and the reason it's here is because every time they do a new printing, they effectively update the game to fix uh, things that, I don't know, just need to be better or different. I think this is like the fifth edition I at this point. I think this is technically fourth. Fourth edition? Um, okay. It looks exactly the same except for the... the That's a big box boy. That is a big box game. It's like 20-something pounds of game. It's very, right very popular. Uh, usually, I think it only has one expansion. I don't know if they've wrapped that into the game now. Um, but So while it's in the new hotness, it's not really new, but it is kind of new. In relation to our talks about Munchkin earlier in this episode, Ryan, were you excited about Munchkin Batman? I I am torn. <laughs> <laughs> because on the one hand, um, I love Munchkin. On the other hand, I I have a little bit of superhero fatigue. 
understanding. It looks like a very interesting version because you're actually using the character card system again and you're using it for the villains as opposed to like heroes. Oh, okay. Um, which I thought was very weird uh, if I understood that correctly. So you play as the villains in this one? What are you, are you going into the Batcave and kicking down doors? How does this work? It must be. Okay. I, I, I was just like half reading it as I was putting the Whoa, promos gosh. and stuff on it. Um, it was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I don't know why you would do that. Is it DC? Are they really heroes when they're DC? <laughs> Well, wow. depends on what the actor's doing right now. Yeah, exactly. yeah but there's been, there's no, been, there's an awful lot of of Batman setting games where you play as the bad guys and not the good guys. The new version of Talisman, I believe, did that. Was that. Batman yeah. Talisman, you were the bad guys trying to bust out of Arkham Asylum, and, Which makes and sense. Batman I mean, was you know the Reaper uh-huh. uh, from the original Talisman game. So there's. This is not the first time that they've done where you're the setting, you're the bad guys. You could redo Fury of Dracula on the same principle now that I think about it. You probably could. Whereas, you know, all the bad guys are hunting for Batman or something. Throughout Gotham Gotham City. Something else that's in the new hotness that I've been excited about, and I I made, uh, did you you play Llama Dice? I have played Llama Dice. We played Llama Dice uh, at Game Train. I had to leave and go meet with Architects. Um, Yeah, I made John and Amanda play uh, with me the other night and they went into the game they're like I'm not sure how I feel about this because you guys are are typically a little crunchier style games we like our rule books we like them thick yes (laughs) that's pushing the line for me Thick and chunky. <laughs> thick and chunky. Oh my gosh. That's a, that's a t-shirt right there. I like my rule books thick. T-H-I-C-C, right? That's actually... We, that okay, real? hang on. I'm no, cutting. it is now. Should We're we? going to make that. I'm going to cut this from the podcast so nobody steals this idea. Um, <laughs> Patreon exclusive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, the, yeah, a game that I'm... Llama Dice is like... It's, it's the, it takes like some of my favorite elements of Llama and really turns it into a push-your-luck dice game. And by the time... You, I, I think both of you were like, eh, I don't know yep. that we really want to play this. And by the time we finished the game, you were both in. I was so invested. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing. I took it to, um, we took it to, to Keg Grove for our beer and board games night with Keg Grove Brewing. And uh, the same thing happened there where people were like, eh, I don't know that I'm in. But by the time we got to the end of the game, everybody was in on the push your luck aspects. And I mean, it's a $14 game. And I ordered a bunch because I think, you know, we've sold many, many copies of Llama and I really like Llama, but I think Llama Dice is, it, is going to be... Is it an be, add-on to Llama or is no, it... No, it's like a complete standalone game. Do you, could you throw the dice with the ash cup that's also in the new hotness? The tiki glass? The tiki glass, yeah. Can you, you throw you them could. with that? I'm just saying. You could, or you could just be drinking... Drinking uh, while you're playing a, Llama a, Dice. A, you know, have a... Beverage. Yes, there's the an ash from Evil Dead. Uh, there we go. I was about to say we need yeah, remember. I was getting there. Okay, okay. Uh, but yes, that tiki cup looks really good. I have not gotten a chance to play this, but I am happy that I believe it's Quacks and Company. Yeah. Is the kid version of Quacks of Quedlingburg. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And it's it's like a up. my first bag builder kind mm-hmm. of a thing where it's supposed to be easy. Not necessarily just kids, just people who again don't like their uh, rule books as thick. And uh, learn how a bag building system works in a little less um, intimidating environment than Quacks. Because Quacks can get kind of crunchy real fast. It's a great game. It's absolutely worth trying it out. Uh, and, and spending a little, if you do spend a little bit of time to learn all the rules to Quacks of Quellenberg, you're going to have a good time. 
we have sold so many copies of it. People love it. They almost everybody comes back for the expansion after they buy it. Yep. Um, so Quacks and Company kind of learn easier way in. Kind of like Jaws of the Lion was the easy learn your way to, to get to Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. This is, so you're pointing a finger at me. I have an idea okay. that we also might need to cut out from this. Have these companies yet gotten around to packaging their kids' starter game of these things with the full versions of these games? No. No, I mean, it's just that you've got, you know, it's like um, there's a kid's version of... Um, Settlers and a million What was games. the magic one? Magic Mirror? Magic... The one where you Magic talk. Maze? Magic Maze. There's a kid's version of Magic Maze, which is an amazing kid's game because one side of the board teaches them how a mechanic works, and then you flip the board over, and now you play a game, learn with those mechanics you just learned. And then you do that, and there's three boards, and by the time you get to the third board, you're basically playing a full game of Magic Maze, which is pretty awesome. Now, Kit, uh, you've kind of brought props for today, and this was going to be the time that I brought this up, because while there's, they're not in the new hotness, there is kind of a new product on the front counter that you seem very excited about. I, I do love our coins. Um, I, well, the name of the company is, in fact, it's, legendary. No, right? well, the name of the company is Draw Labs. Draw Labs. And, and um, the product is called Legendary Coins. coins. Lot, lots of companies have produced coins, but these guys did a wonderful system of there's gold, silver, and copper. And for each of these, it has different art or even different shapes. And then there's six types. There, let's see if I can remember. Different genres. Yes, there's pirates, which are the ones I'm currently fondling. Uh, there are dragons. There are dwarves. There are wizards. Don't tell me. There is the like the medieval units. Okay, ones, V's, and X's. You know. That's the one I thought you were gonna that's forget. That's the one I, I I don't forget because it confused me. Uh, I said pirates. Did I say pirates? You did. <laughs> and then the Cthulhu version. Yes. Which are the smaller ones. I mean, it worked. So I can't complain. Jamie gave an interesting call and, sign. And for these are all tr- yeah the 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 the, the Neudberg. The tentacles. Effect. The chin yeah, waggles. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, each not is not only is each type different, like of the six, obviously, they're very thematic towards what they're supposed to be, but each one of the valuation of coins has different designs or even different shapes, or in the case of the wizard ones, different holes in them. Um, like the star. Yeah, down. the star versus the circle. Yeah. Um, they, they, they pretty much did a good job of going all out. Uh, I think they're buck 49 each. Yeah, Draw Labs is a really, it's, it's, it's interesting because they're from Athens, Greece. So, like, man, if anybody is going to know about making coins, I mean, it seems they, like... Where they first did it. Where they, yeah. Um, and so it's interesting working when we're working with international companies and trying... Uh, luckily, um, Evan is the guy that I work with, and I'm not sure if his full name is Evan or not, but Evan's the guy that I work with, and he speaks pretty good English, so that that's that's good. Because Jamie's Greek is a little fuzzy. Uh, not a little fuzzy. <laughs> Incredibly, like, I think opaque would be the phrase. Right? <laughs> not even translucent. It's terrible. Yeah. I can name a bunch of cities. I can name a bunch of the gods. But actually speaking Greek, I don't think I could even order a beer. Well, of but course, they are glorious. Trust me. Yes, they, they. It's interesting too. Ken hasn't been this invested in any one product that has showed up at the store for a very long time. I've been always so excited about the coins that, I ass- that companies make, and they, these are really good. I assume that's the reason why, like, you came on the podcast today, simply uh, so totally you can talk to about hype coins. these coins. Yes. yes. 
because well, everyone needs them. If you're interested in these coins or any of the games you just mentioned in the new hotness, you can always come into Red Raccoon. They should be on the shelves. And if not, ask at the front desk. They might have some in the uh, downstairs storage area, or they can order them for you with a discount included. However, what would be some incentives for people to come into the store this week? What's going on that people might want to come in and see? Nothing. Nothing? This is a lie. This is a dirty lie. <laughs> okay, now this is a very specific group of people who would be interested, but we have our DreamHack qualifier on Saturday, which is a Magic Pioneer format event. Magic the Gathering Pioneer. Yep, and uh, pre-registration helps because it is limited to 32 people, but it's basically Wizards reintroducing the Pro Tour, and it's the very first feeder event to work yourself up the chain to get back into the Pro Tour. That's uh, August 27th for correct. people this coming. On sorry, your... I don't know when this will go. August 27th is correct. Yes, and then August 28th, which is Sunday, is the pre-release of the next Pokemon set, Lost Origins. Are there in, is there in-store play? There is in-store pre-release. for the, This is the first pre-release we've been able to run in the store in, since COVID started. Um, so that'll be this will be our first in-store event for Pokemon, um, and so we're pretty stoked for that. And then the week after that, which is Friday, September second, I think, is the pre-release for Dominaria United, the next Magic set. So we got that coming. Uh, Hero Clicks guys, this upcoming Thursday, which is the twenty-sixth, uh, yep. they have the first of the big summertime sets. Whatever this Thursday is, twenty-fifth. Sorry, twenty-fifth. Twenty-fifth. Um, the first of the big summertime sets, which is called House of Swords. It's based on the House of Swords X Men run. Correct. And um, there are some really, really cool things they're doing in Hero Clicks, including some really interesting tarot cards some amazing sculpts for the figures and some really exclusive limited edition and that one's so limited that it's lit it's literally limited to 10 players and there's three different months and each of the three months have different prizes available to people who play in the events arrived, so the kit important. has arrived <laughs> yes it's here um so that's our hero clicks guys have that coming up and then we've got our regular slate uh, digimon guys just had their championship yesterday um, they've got a new pre-release coming up, but I don't think that's until August. But the Digimon community is growing pretty significantly. I'm sorry, October. October is the next yes. the next Digimon release. Um, we've got D&D &D 101, or Learn to Play D&D on the same uh, day as DreamHack, so that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, the 27th. Yeah. It's always the fourth Saturday of every month. And we've already got people signing up for next month's Dungeons & Dragons Adventures League, which is always the second Saturday, so second Saturday of September. That's because by Monday this week, I had filled all of my seats for this month. Or because she's that good. For the learn to play? Yeah. For nice. And this is They're why. technically aerial seats, but I put people in them. Oh, <laughs> aerial is that good. I do want to say that we're still kind of not saying everything that we know about the new location, but the amount of space we'll have to do events like this and to have these trainings and things like that is going to be so much more expansive in the new place yeah i'm very excited yeah 10 second update as it'll be more than 10 seconds because i'm i'm loquacious is um the plan is to have drawings to the city in september if we get approval from the city we're going to start swinging hammers in october if we start swinging hammers in october we're hopefully moving into the new space in the middle of next year 
That's the current timeline. It's it's already been bumped back. Since you heard it. He said April first. You all heard it. He said <laughs> April first. And I, yes, I'm lying. Yeah, I was like I, I am now saying middle of next year because the supply chain issues we've talked about on this podcast many times in the past are still not solved. There's still an issue getting products, particularly around building supplies. So, windows and elevators and doors are apparently issues. Oh my! I, as, yeah. I'm glad that you're there. Though. No, I was with you. But with that, our episode is going to come to a close. Uh, I'd like to thank the staff members that joined me today. And if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. Historic Route 66. Where you can find... Yes, where we are a Darrington Press seller. So now that we have our critical role person here, what are some of the amazing products that Darrington Press uh, offers the store? Um, we have virtually the ability to get almost everything that they carry in their online shop. So you can basically just use them as a catalog, tell me which one you want, and I can get it for you. If you're a Critical Role fan, we are the one-stop shop. A lot of dice, Taldori books, Okotoa is their first board game. Of um, course, we have some of the stuff in stock. Yeah, you can clothes, yeah. most of the t-shirts, the sweatshirts, the hoodies. Um, the only challenge we have is making sure that we can get them before they sell out. Because Gunter, we have Gunter. The dragon turtle, right? Isn't he theirs? Dieter. Dieter, I'm so sorry. I got me weird. No, Gunter is the pig from Sing. And I, Sing too. I believe you. His name is Dieter because it's DT. Dragon Turtle. I Dragon see. Turtle. That was very clever. Will yep. we be getting the new Clue game? We have it already. Excellent. Okay. Because my wife critical was interested clue. in that. That's how we yes, roll. Yeah. yeah, I saw that coming. Uh, so many bad puns. <laughs> so many references. I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw in the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give a shout out on the show. But until next time, keep playing. Bye.